Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. For any of the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron Roger and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's feed from the Durbuckle. So, Doug, let's talk about the two releases, Lars Sullivan and Steve Cutler. Uh, are we going to be missing these guys? I don't think we're going to miss them. And, you know, what? I think because of the uh, situation with Lars uh, having some kind of mental breakdown-ish uh, it's been it's been very quiet, and I'm glad that they did that. There's no need to publicize it and make it even worse for him. Um, but they hadn't used him for a long time, and he just he wasn't WWE, I guess, worthy or quality. So uh, he was a big beefy guy, and that's what Vince likes. But uh, not gonna miss him. And Cutler, I just don't think he ever got the push that he would ever need. Uh, but he has also kind of been tied to some controversial things, too. So, uh, again, quiet release, no problem. Yeah, I mean, um, so from what I understand, Lars Sullivan is done with wrestling in general. Like, he is actually looking to get into bare-knuckle brawling, I believe it is. Um, he just – he wasn't really cut out for it. I know that he had some issues as far as – it sounds like stage fright or things like that – he wasn't a great wrestler. Obviously he had the size and he had that kind of monstrous look, but he was not cut out in my opinion to be a main roster guy. And I think it was pretty clear from what we saw. He was okay at best. And then Cutler, uh, you know, mediocre. Uh, he wasn't bad, but there was no main event potential with him. He's going to be in a tag team. Um, is he the ex Marine? I can't remember with him or the other. I think he was, uh, paired he was with, with them. He was with Murphy's old partner, Blake. I think it was, yeah, I mean, again, you know, sometimes you got to trim the fat. It just is what it is. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Lars Sullivan, a terrible wrestler in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, I do actually kind of feel bad for him because he was supposed to have like a match with Cena. I think it was like at a WrestleMania that was rumored. And that was like a year or two ago. And obviously that didn't come to pass. And they said it was because he had like panic attacks about it, which to me says like you should like, you know, kind of get checked out. Like, you know, go see a psychologist and just kind of make sure that you're right in your head because we don't want to have like a, a situation where you hear about a wrestler going, you know, absolutely nuts. Um, you know, so honestly, like, while I, I don't care for him as a wrestler, you know, as a human being, I do hope that he gets better and hopefully we don't have to hear about a, you know, we don't come back here in a year or two and talk about, you know, Lars Sullivan, you know, dead at 32 or something like that. So Aaron, are you going to tell us the big news? Yes. Uh, Lacey Evans is pregnant. Congratulations. I don't think I'm the father. No, Ric Flair is. Uh, well, no, I, I will say the one thing that is positive about this is that they decided to tie up the loose ends. Uh, no, so they, they, Charlotte came to Rick and was like, you were insinuating it was yours. Obviously it isn't, you know, and so they, and then Flair, you know, apologize, Rick apologizes to Charlotte, which honestly like good because that storyline was kind of going nowhere. And based on how things were progressing, it looked like Lacey Evans was going to defeat Asuka at the pay-per-view so that way Charlotte could take the title off of Lacey, which is just like bonkers to to think about. Like if they were going to wrestle, I was going to pick Lacey Evans over Asuka, which mm-hmm. is just like, why would you ever do that? Um, I am glad that they wrapped this up. Lacey Evans is pregnant. You know, good for her, I guess. 
How can you not believe, though, that I'm sorry. How can you not believe that Ric Flair is not the father? He has superior DNA. <laughs> I wish that they would have had that angle at the Hall of Fame only. But yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, I, I mean, can we see that how, again, Asuka has found a way to benefit from her opponent's pregnancy? Whether it was going to be Becky Lynch, who was supposed to be the Raw Women's Champion, and now Lacey Evans. I'm, I'm not saying Asuka's the father. I'm saying Asuka is involved. That's all I'm saying. She knows more than she's telling. And I, you're not ready for Asuka might mean something more than we understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But yeah, at least WWE uh, finally let that storyline uh, come to uh, fruition. So, Doug, what just happened over in AEW? Something big, something very, very big. Slow, and I think it'll be Paul White. Really, Paul White. So he, Paul White is now joining AEW. Uh, it's it's very interesting that he signed with them. Uh, of course, he was going to resign with WWE, but I guess the the numbers were just not there. Roger, what do you think about the signing? As long as he's not coming to be a full time wrestler and taking a spot from somebody much younger and much more deserving, great move. You know, he provides legitimate size. He's he's an actual giant. Um, it's very weird to think that, you know, him and Sting are, I think, the only two people who would have now wrestled in WCW, WWE, now AEW, which tells you how long they've both been in the business. Jericho. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. And he did ECW, too, so, yeah. But... I- I think there's a point where AEW starts to remind me too much of WCW, and I don't think they're there yet. But if you keep signing WWE cast-offs, especially 50- 60-year-old guys, and you don't make them just to be – you know, Sting, I don't really have a problem with the way they're using him. Show sounds like he's going to be a commentator. But don't start signing off all the old guys who are just looking for that last payday. I I don't want this to be WCW. Yeah, I agree. You know, when you have, um, like (laughs) – Getting FTR, for example, that that's good. You know, get, getting Miro, very good signing. Uh, you know, you want to take those talents that are a little bit younger. But, you know, Big Show is 49, I want to say. Obviously, Jericho is 50. Sting is probably like 55-ish, 60-ish, maybe pushing. Um, you know, I, I don't want to see Hogan, Flair, um, you know, any of those types of guys there. You know, their, their time has come and gone. You recognize what they've done for the business. They pass. You obviously, you know, have a nice memorial graphic for them. But uh, they should not be on TV. Big show, though, you know, Paul White, large production, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I'm going to let that one sit there for a second. Uh, I think that if he wrestles, yeah, uh, if he wrestles like twice a year, three times a year for them, I think that it works. All right. I guess the, on that one time, we'll just uh, tell. But uh, let's talk about SmackDown and uh, also the Elimination Chamber. So we got Daniel Bryan wins Elimination Chamber. Uh, awesome. I still don't understand uh, the whole uh, thing. Basically, he has to face Roman right afterwards. Why is that? Just saying. But uh, Aaron, what did you think about uh, the fact that Daniel Bryan actually uh, won? Yeah, I I was expecting them to go with Cesaro. They had been showcasing him, so it kind of seemed like, oh, maybe they could give him a push here. They have him lose. I, like, look, whoever wins is going to lose to Roman. You know, that the whole point was Roman said, I'm not going to be in this match, but I'll take on whoever wins. And I'll take him on right away. Uh, obviously, cementing his heel status. But I think Cesaro, you get the crowd then behind him, and it makes Cesaro, you know, be a very sympathetic babyface. Daniel Bryan, I I love him. 
like, you know, this is probably the second person I would have picked to have won. And I think that it's it's a good move. You know, Kevin Owens had his time to shine, um, focused on somebody else. But Cesaro is somebody that I think they could have given a little bit of love to. And unfortunately, they didn't. Maybe if Cesaro was wearing brass rings on his trunks instead of silver rings, he might have been able to grab something. But he just he just couldn't grasp it. And, you know, I, I think he should have won. I agree with you, Aaron. Uh, he should have won. It should have been a nice little push for him to to get a, a, a notch uh, up. But yet you still have him still going to lose to Roman. But I was the only one that picked Brian because I just think that Vince is out of all those uh, other contenders. It really came down to me. It was going to be either Cesaro or Brian and Brian just has the better past. And I don't want to say story, but he has the better past and, and make it feel a little bit bigger that Roman beat Brian. I mean, I, I definitely, I get that. I just, in my opinion, this was a good way, especially when you knew the title match was only going to be five minutes at most. What a great way to kind of just pop up Cesaro for a quick second. He survives the chamber, you know, he's going to get beat down by Roman in five minutes, but hey, this is a match that is unadvertised. Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns is a legitimate big four pay-per-view main event. You don't need to throw that away in a, a four-minute squash match. You could have done that to main event SummerSlam or Money in the Bank or Survivor Series or whatever you want to do, whereas Cesaro versus Roman isn't there yet. But this is one way that you continue to elevate Cesaro. Nobody would have been hurt for it, so... I wanted to throw, and he needs, I mean, I can't tell you the last time he's had a title shot. So this was a perfect way for him to say, hey, I won an elimination chamber and I lost to Roman in a valiant effort. Instead, you have Brian win, but obviously he was going to lose. And besides the great counter, he just got the crap kicked out of him. Meh. Now, what, what did you think about the, what happened uh, actually after, right after, uh, of course, the Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns uh, match? What did you, what were, were you pretty excited about the event that happened right afterwards? Uh, I mean, it was probably the best of the three choices, though, as I said before, I wasn't really hot on edge winning the Rumble at all because I just don't think he needed it. And I didn't think it was the right call. I mean, look, edge versus Roman is going to be spear versus spear. We know what this is. This is basically instead of using Goldberg, we're going to use edge in this spot. I give Roman an 85 percent chance of retaining Edge doesn't need this win. I want to say he's 47 years old at this point. His career is cemented. I think he's already a Hall of Famer, which is probably silly. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it it was the right call. Edge versus McIntyre didn't make any sense. I didn't believe Edge was going to go down to NXT and challenge as much as they teased that. So it's okay, but I can't say that I was, like, super hyped for this as opposed to, you know, had this been a Keith Lee running out, that would have been big. Or, you know, somebody new in the picture, or, you know, even if it was Daniel Bryan. But, uh, it, it's all right. It's the best of a bad situation. It's it's just going to go to that saying, though. I think that's the biggest hang up, hang up that WWE creative has is it's they, they've been building up spear versus spear, and that's what it's going to be is a spear fest in the in the match at WrestleMania. I'm not extremely excited about it, but out of the three choices, uh, I will say that at least it's marketable. Yeah, and I agree with that. I, you know, with what's going on over uh, with the WWE title, it's one of those situations where, you know what, like maybe we thought he could go for Drew or, you know, whoever might be the champion uh, for, you know, the WWE champion at the time. But, you know, as it stands right now, it probably is uh, the best move to go for Roman. Um, you know, actually, one of the things, though, that kind of does make me wonder a little bit is what are they going to do with Bianca? Because they kind of have her, you know, kind of, my knowledge. Has said, I'm going to take on Sasha. I don't believe. 
but it kind of seems like they're going to be a little, you know, SmackDown heavy when it comes to the Royal Rumble winners. Not that like they've never done something like that before, but it kind of feels like that. Don't you think, Andy? I do agree. Um, I mean, I guess that's the way they're going to go right now. I mean, right now, probably the most underrated wrestler of all time uh, being your champion currently. I I see him, of course, dropping it at WrestleMania, but whatever. Maybe you can think of it this way. Raw is going to be the gimmick, as in they bring like the outside person in to go for that title. Um, I, I think that's what they're going to have to do here. Raw has always been the entertainment show. SmackDown has always been for the wrestling fans. Um, and I think that's the point that we're all making here is the Royal Rumble winner has usually been somebody who deserves it and needs to be an up and comer. So they usually have gone to the wrestling show aspect, whereas the uh, like Andy said, the the raw, you can bring in a spectacle like um, Goldberg or somebody else to to do it and everything like that. So. I, I have no problem with them both going to SmackDown, except for it just it doesn't make sense. Even one with, with I just said they just brought in Edge to go against Roman Reigns, which is the SmackDown champion. Um, but with too many times with uh, WWE creative, I, I just see too many similarities of things going into wrestling or WrestleMania. Like they have too many storylines that have just enough in that they've done it before or they're both doing it on raw and SmackDown to try to set up stuff. And it just, it's all the same story. Mm -hmm. This, um, you know, it's funny that we talk about the same story because this reminds me a lot of Kofi mania and Becky mania, where it was literally the same story. It Mm -hmm. was the McMahons don't believe that X is worthy of a title shot and we're going to do everything in our power to keep them out of the title shot, and then they get it eventually. I mean, it was the same story, and it was ranked concurrently. Yeah, so you're, what, talking like Stone Cold, Dan, Dan O'Brien, um, who else? Uh, you, you just said the, yeah, um, the man. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, yeah. Kingston. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, right? McMahon doesn't like X-Figure. They And look, Stone Cold versus Vince did big money. I'm not complaining that that wasn't a great story. But I don't need to see the same story 25 times. I, I've seen it. You know, I don't need to watch The Godfather Part 25. Yeah, this, one, one and two is enough. This is one and two is enough. And, and this is kind of another example of that. Asuka looks so lost right now that she very much reminds me of a couple years ago when, despite being a SmackDown's women's champion, had no feud, had no storyline. And I believe she dropped the title on SmackDown to Charlotte and wasn't really a part of WrestleMania. I think she ended up in the Battle Royal. At this point, I don't even know if the Raw Women's title will be defended because they've been they've had no story for her. I mean, it's just Bianca and Sasha seems like a foregone conclusion, and I have no problem with that. That'll be an outstanding match. And you know, kind of to talk about the WWE title, they have a lot of challenges right now. Shouldn't they maybe done this story into Elimination Chamber? Because right now, it actually seems like they have multiple people who have a legitimate right for the title. This seems like a good time for the Elimination Chamber. Miz and Lashley and McIntyre and all of the, you know, you could have, it's shameless. You could have had those feuds and storylines intertwined into the chamber instead of just former champions. Miz defending his newly won title in a, in a chamber match, that would be entertaining. I would have been very curious to see, does McIntyre get it back? Does Lashley win in a dominant fashion? I mean, it just seems odd that they put all these challengers after the fact. But even going back to before Lacey got uh, pregnant, uh, even Aaron said it, she, she was probably going to win the title just to set up Charlotte versus uh, Lacey at WrestleMania. Kind of feel the same way with, you know, the the current champion 
now has the title, who's probably going to drop it to somebody else just so somebody else can face them at WrestleMania. It's the same story in the same year. How do you have that happen twice? I mean, I understand there's day one and day two, so maybe we don't get confused because we have the storyline happen on day one and then the other one happen on day two, but it's the same story on the same WrestleMania again. I mean, but that's how you make it work, right? You have day one and day two stories, you know, uh, and, and you catch people up as well. You know, you do a little recap package. But, Doug, you had mentioned there just to, you know, I guess not to bury the lead too much, but Drew McIntyre won his elimination chamber. I think I believe all of us said picked him yep. uh, to win in our pickums. Uh, then Lashley comes down and just dominates him. Uh, you know, they talked about a little bit on Raw then the next night where they said, you know, Miz essentially had paid him. Miz comes out. He cashes in and wins. Kind of shocking. I was not expecting that. I kind of thought Miz might cash in at WrestleMania or maybe cash in, you know, at Money in the Bank even. Like, you know, like he would hold it for a while is what I was kind of thinking. But Miz, Andy's underrated wrestler for the last 20 years in a row now, um, maybe 30, I'm not sure. But Miz is now your WWE champion. And Doug, it kind of sounds like you think he's not going to hold it at WrestleMania. Like he's going to drop it. I think this is a perfect setup for him to lose to uh, Lashley, whether it be at Raw or whether it be at Fastlane. But the the WrestleMania match, I believe, is going to be Lashley versus Drew. And whether you have Drew win it back at Fastlane or or whatever it is in his little rematch clause or something like that, that's what you have set up. Because you've been setting up Miz and Morrison versus Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. I think it's going to be your uh, your WrestleMania match. And now, uh, Andy, as a fan of The Miz, how how can you go from being that high of po- potentially being the WrestleMania main event to now you get to wrestle against a new NXT person and a rapper? Here's the deal. They couldn't find anyone that can make Bad Bunny look good in the ring. So what do you do when you can't find someone who can't who you just can't make look good in the ring? You call either AJ Styles or The Miz. So in this case, AJ Styles is going to be busy that day, so The Miz is going to have to take over. Just saying. And it's the twenty four seven champ, Bad Bunny, by the way. Oh, it was it was it was Morrison though with uh, uh, Snooki, wasn't it at WrestleMania? Hey, come on, twenty five, I think it right. was when he gave Trish the cold shoulder. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I mean. <laughs> You've got a great, great uh, retelling of a good story again, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, so can we say a couple things first? That I'd like all of us to observe a moment of silence for uh, Andy's most underrated wrestler of the year. Because well, that's why I think he can vote for him again this year, because I still don't think I mean, I, I'm still I will say this. I'm surprised he's still holding on to the title. I thought it was going to be a matchup on Monday Night Raw and he would hold it for 24 hours. Um, you know what's interesting? And I, I kind of thought about this when it happened. I actually think the most interesting person for Edge to have challenged would have been Miz. I actually think they would be a good pairing for a number of reasons. Edge was the, that original ultimate opportunist, and now Miz is kind of taking that spot from him. So you actually would have a clash of future versus present. I think they match up very well against one another. They're both really good talkers. I mean, it's just it, that would have been a much more interesting match to me. Um, have- also, I don't know that I think Miz is going to lose because he can weasel his way out so many. Like, it would not surprise me if there's a triple threat between Lashley, McIntyre, and Miz, and Miz finds a way to win 
by simply just coming in and covering two exhausted monsters. And I have no problem with that. That's fine. It's just... Do you really want Miz holding on to the title, though, going into WrestleMania? I don't mind it. Like, I actually don't have a problem with Miz as champion. What I have a problem with is that for some reason, the Money in the Bank winner is never built up as a thing post-Seth Rollins. Like, normally, when you win the King of the Ring, or you win the Royal Rumble, or you win Money in the Bank, it is the start of something important. And over the last six years, it feels like, winning Money in the Bank just means you're going to get buried and lose and have stupid storylines, and eventually you cash in and win. Unless you're Damien Sandow. Who won Money in the Bank? Otis. Otis. Oh, yeah, that's right. How's yeah. he doing? Uh, he's in the Alpha Academy. He's learning. Mm-hmm. How's Tucker doing? <laughs> but going more to your point that just that they haven't built up uh, the Money in the Bank winners at all. And the fact that you have Otis, who it was a great moment when he won. None of us were you know, really sad about him winning. It just became one of those, what do you do now? And, and, and what's weird t- is that they, they had a good opportunity to have Roman kick the crap out of him. You mm-hmm. have Otis, this sympathetic babyface, decide he's going to cash in on a newly returned and vicious Roman Reigns, and you let Roman bloody him. You The crowd loves Otis. You have a, a Roman standing over a bloodied and battered, beaten Otis. That would get you legitimate booze if you had a crowd. That is a mega heel moment, and it was tailor-made for what Otis's Money in the Bank title run should have been. Instead, they just had him lose it on a turn that benefited Nobody. I don't know why Tucker turned on him because his career is basically dead. Why did you break up a good tag team again for no good reason? Friendships and, are a lie. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Trust issues, man. Yep. Trust issues. All right. So, yeah. Uh, but the other thing that I guess we should probably also uh, talk about is that the fact that, well, um, Matt Riddle is now the new United States champion using a, of course, crappy belt. Uh, Aaron, are you excited that uh, he got, you know, Matt Riddle, he did some great stuff in there. He got really high up there and was able to uh, get the win on that one. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, he he really did, Andy. Uh, I actually didn't want him to win. I I, I don't want to say I always want like a coronation or like, yeah, like this is the time that they should totally give it to him. I don't, I don't always want that. But Riddle, you know, I mean, NXT, he was fine. And then he comes up and he's been here for three months, maybe now, I want to guess, maybe maybe a little bit longer. And then, you know, he wins the U.S. title, which, you know, I, I like Lashley and Lashley, they were building him up as a monster. And so, like, you're taking the title off of him to to give to Riddle. And I don't know, like, I feel like they've been playing Riddle almost as a joke character in a way, like not entirely like Santino, but they just have not made him, you know, more of what he was doing Actually, no, I, they probably are doing very similar to what they did with NXT, but they weren't like making him serious in the ring. They just had he was playing around with stuff. You know, he's wearing flip flops and getting stomped on like and not really getting stomped on. It just I like Riddle. I think that they're misusing him. And I don't think that now was the right time to give him the title. Maybe give it to him at WrestleMania. It was definitely a high point for uh, Matt Riddle and uh, in his career and everything like that. And, you know, he, he's a he's an MMA fighter, so. Uh, you, you can definitely see that he uh, manipulates joints and uh... <laughs> his joint manipulation is, is second to none. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's just Matt, Matt Riddle is 
a legit fighter, and it, it's sad that WWE has made him kind of a joke and everything like that. Um, I thought this was a good match in the aspect that they kept Bobby Lashley looking strong, even though he lost. He dominated both of them, uh, both him and Morrison, and uh, but it made sense to have Riddle take out Morrison, and so you don't have Lashley taking the pin um, to set up everything that was going to come later. So it's you know we'll see what he can do with the with the title and uh how far he can go and uh or if it's just going to go up in a puff of smoke um a couple things matt riddle because i hate the fact that they dropped his first name for no good reason um you, aaron you mentioned he'd been gone for three months yeah, no he'd fight been pit. on for about three months i want to say yeah he, fight pit i think was last april he's actually been a main roster member for almost a year so that's how directionless uh, Matt has been on the main roster. I, I believe he came to SmackDown first and then got moved over to Raw at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe you're right, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he was around when they did the Intercontinental title tournament that I think AJ won. So yeah, just this t- I don't understand what the plan was for if Keith Lee was in the match because Morrison took the pinfall. So am I supposed to believe that Riddle was supposed to beat Lee? Was Lee going to beat Riddle? I think Lee was going to beat Riddle. Which, okay, that, I, I, Lee versus Riddle would be fun, but I want Riddle to be the character he was in NXT, which was, yeah, he was a jokester, but when he got into the ring, he turned it on, and he was not just, his character was not bro, which, you know, obviously is the most Vince McMahon way of looking at character, like, oh, you're a surfer stoner, bro, and you're going to do pitch stupid ideas to MVP, and it's just, you know, that, you know, we've talked about there's good humor, like the fashion police, and then there's the rest of WWE's humor, which is not funny, and Riddle is at the not funny side right now. And his character's direction, this, this title win doesn't feel like it means anything. It just it feels like it was secondary and last minute, and it will be a footnote that we don't really care about. And that's yeah, just I, actually it was uh, June. Uh, I just looked it up. I can't. I kind of shocked. I thought it was a little bit, a little bit less than that. But also, twenty twenty has been you know uh, was like six years long. <laughs> that is true. All right, so let's uh, let's uh, change focus from WWE and let's move on to uh, All Elite Wrestling. Well, uh, it's official, Doug. The Stinger is going to be wrestling again. Uh, your thoughts? This is something that's been a long time uh, being prepared, and it was starting to get a little stale. The the them constantly Sting gets into the ring, has the bat, and then Team Taz just uh, walks away and and cowers. And they've been doing that for, I think, now maybe two months. Uh, Every week, just Sting gets in the ring and they cower away. Finally, they get into the ring, they interact with Sting, and he takes a massive powerbomb from Brian Cage. Um, There was a lot of legit uh, concerns whether or not Sting should have taken a powerbomb. Was that the uh, proper bump to kind of give him at first? Uh, Who who knows? but he seems to be okay, and you know they're going to go from there. Uh, obviously, the match is going to be mostly Darby Allen, I think. But with it being a street fight, and you know, kind of pre-production, this COVID area pre-production matches where it's a street fight. They're going to be in the back. They're going to be this. They can take their time with it. They can do an eight-hour shoot like they did Undertaker AJ Styles. They can make it last. Uh, you know, the the shoot will last that long, but the match will only be about twenty minutes. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. I think, uh, this is actually taking advantage of the COVID era in the aspect that you can put, uh, 
produce a match like this and make it look like Sting is going all out the whole match and and hitting with the the bat and everything like that. So you don't have to necessarily have him take a bunch of bumps or anything like that. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how how it's going to go and uh, how active they are actually going to have him be in the match. Um, I'm a little afraid for Sting. I don't want him to go all out because I really don't want this to be a one and done thing. I'd rather I'd rather see him in the corner of Darby Allen, uh, guiding a, a, a Darby Allen more than I want to see him in the ring. But uh, I think there are still maybe a couple more matches with Sting that I think would be awesome to see in AEW uh, to, to help put over some younger staff. Now, do you like the idea that they may do this where they have like they basically will have sections of the match that they've already or even though it's all the stuff that's in the back, they do like a couple days prior Then when that's live, they'll just let them go and hang out, play cards in the back. Is that something that you would you would actually be OK with since it's first thing, but no one else, but everyone else like uh, like the up and comers, you don't want them to do this. I've been saying they should be doing this for years. I, I would love to see a match that starts at the beginning of a pay-per-view that lasts the whole pay-per-view, but then you have other matches in between because it is a street fight. You have them go fight into the back and be like, well, we lost a feed because they used a camera as a weapon. We'll get you when, once we get the camera back to you, we'll, we'll get you an update on this match. And then you go and have something else in the match. And then, you know, we have them rest and everything like that. And then come back and be like, wow, they're still going at it. This match was three hours long. I can't believe it. We're finally getting to the conclusion of this match. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to read that out loud. Um, uh, WWE champion Sting. I have to admit, watching 61-year-old Sting take a powerbomb from Brian Cage, especially considering what happened to him when he took that buckle bomb from Rollins, had me quite nervous. Like, I was legitimately scared that man, if he lands the wrong way, this is going to be bad. Because, you know, Sting is one of my favorites growing up. I, you never want to see anyone paralyzed, but especially watching a 61-year-old take a bump like that is a bit frightening. Um, I hope this match is, is cinematic in more of the um, Firefly Funhouse method. I, I hope we get some weird... I don't want just, like, the street fight that we got with Cole and Dream, whoever, you know, he who probably won't be named in a few months. I would rather... This just be, you know, use Sting's... He doesn't have, like, supernatural powers, but, you know, whatever. The Snow and Darby Allen's weird black-and-white videos and have them, you know, have an annoyed Taz talk about how ridiculous this is and why is the color gone and why is there snow randomly showing up and why are these stupid crows and who are these idiots playing violins? Like, just lean all the way into it, almost like a spring stampede-type situation. Um, just go all in for this crazy-type match because... I don't want to see Sting in the ring. Like Sting, sixty-one. I watched him. In, if I watch him in the ring, I'll go watch the network. Twenty years ago, but his character, kind of like I said with Undertaker at the um, whatever that was, Last Ride or Burial or whatever that match was, you do pre-produce, like Doug said, do eight hours. You can make it entertaining twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I definitely echo your guys' thoughts on that. I I actually hope it does help Darby Allen out quite a bit. You know, I think Darby does have a little bit of money, uh, you know, associated with them. You know, there's some people where you look at and you're like, eh, I don't know, like maybe they're kind of a, a certain, you know, if they change Orange Cassidy up, maybe he could be, you know, something, uh, you know, somebody like a Marco stunt, probably not going to, you know, go much further than where he is right now. Darby Allen, though, you look at him, you're like, all right, I could see like sympathetic babyface, you know, somebody that potentially could do something more than what he's currently doing. And so adding Sting to him really kind of elevates him quite a bit more. And I like that. I think that's good. Andy, let me be very clear. If Marco Stunt ever wins the AEW Heavyweight Championship, 
we are to immediately do a live podcast because I want Aaron's immediate reaction on camera. I want it taped because I'm pretty sure he's going to lose his mind. I think if he wins the TNT title, I would be like, okay, that title's worthless. Like that's that's close enough to David Arquette winning it, you know, like in my opinion. Wow. Hey, that, that, that's how bad. Talk about that. Now, Andy, it's uh, too soon. So it, yeah, it's it's too soon. Speaking, but you know what? Speaking of which, you know I might I might leave. I I legitimately may even leave the podcast in the same way that Sammy left the inner circle. Andy, were you sad when Sammy left the inner circle? Well, Austin Aries Jr. I was very sad to hear about that uh, that he left, and then uh, the crap that he pulled at Impact. Um, but yeah, he he <sighs> great. He left. Honestly, like I, I don't care about him anymore. So, but, but, but in all seriousness, um, I, I really think that uh, just as I think that the direction they're going with him, let's just hope that it's going the correct way and not the, uh, and hopefully it does. It, someone uh, knocks him down a couple of pegs because he is acting like a little Austin Aries uh, currently. Uh, if you a company asks you to do something, just do it. Shut up. But you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so How big is a little Austin Aries because if you're talking about <laughs> Austin Aries as a normal size. Are we talking like Marco stunt size or they're close in height, right? That's what I hear. He might have a couple inches on him. Who are we talking? Who's the taller one in that scenario? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny. I, the The Sammy stuff hasn't really rubbed me the wrong way, only because he doesn't work for Impact. Like truth be told, he, he's an AEW wrestler, and if he thinks Impact's storyline is stupid, which I'm going to be honest with you, I've watched one episode of Impact in the last five years. Most of their storylines are stupid. Like it's, I'm just going to be honest with you. They very much remind me of a, a bad indie promotion at times. So, you know, I don't mind the sharing of talent where there's a, a natural history there. You know, when you talk about the Good Brothers, they make sense with Omega. I don't want to see Sammy over wrestling with TJP and Rich. I mean, Rich Swan is or was the champion. Rich Swan's a cruiserweight. And not like a Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero cruiserweight. Like, if that is your heavyweight champion... There are some questions to be asked about the validity of your entire roster. Look, Sammy, I think we talked about this a couple months ago, has basically not won anything of consequence ever, maybe. Like, I, I don't recall any big wins that he's gotten. So for him to break away from the inner circle makes sense because it's not helping him. It's helping Jericho. It's helped Pride and, and Powerful and, and Hager. And everybody else seems to be moving in the right direction except for him. So he should leave. And I want to see him versus MJF. I mean, I, look, him versus Jericho, whatever. I, I think Jericho's past the point where I care about his matches anymore. But him versus MJF, that could be a really, really, really good feud. Especially if MJF is champion that same year, and you have one of those dynamite main events where Sam and Guevara goes for the title. You could have some amazing false finishes because he can go in the ring. He can definitely go in the ring. It's, I, I guess I have a little bit of an issue with the impact thing. And I understand you don't want to do uh, something that might make your character look weak or anything like that. But at the same time, I, I don't see Sammy at that level that he should be uh, arguing over storylines and everything like that. Um, and maybe, and maybe that's what it was though, is that he was going to be the, the, the losing aspect of AEW over an impact. So, whereas it seems like AEW has been taking it to impact pretty pretty good with Omega and you know, I mean the good brothers are technically impact, but they're siding with AEW. So it really does seem like AEW is getting the upper hand over impact. Maybe Sammy was the deal to, Hey, we need to be looking strong too. So let's make one of our guys look strong. So give us, um, 
you know, playing Red Rover aspect, uh, give us Sammy. And Sammy's like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Why do I have to take the pin? I took the pin during the, the stadium stampede match. I took the pin against Matt Hardy in a hardcore match that he got knocked out in. Uh, what, what, you know, and, and that's to Roger's point. The, he, Sammy in the inner circle has has taken the pin basically every time for the inner circle. So um, him leaving the inner circle is probably a better move for him. Um, I just hate the aspect. That I wish, I, and just maybe it's because I've been so hyped of the uh, inter. Uh, promotional things uh and i've been so happy about it i want to see all the storylines that that work out for for both uh both companies and you know i i guess that leaves a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth that you know here you're given an opportunity to be showcased on impact and aew and you said no because you think you're that big you know like uh andy said somebody needs to give him a little bit of a, a reality check and uh remind him of of where he is on the pecking order i guess yeah and then uh another another thing that's happening uh which i'm excited for so jericho and mjf they're taking on the young bucks doug gotta know your thoughts on it um can you can you really go wrong with a, a rivalry against the the young bucks i mean they're going to be putting up and making everybody look good uh i agree with roger in the fact that jericho has slowed down a lot uh, looking at one of the last lion tamers that he assault, uh, or lion, uh, lion assault, wasn't it? Lion assault, yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where he, where he nearly took off his own head. Um, you know, maybe, maybe he needs to not do that move anymore. I know he pulled it off later in the night too, or, or uh, the next week, but um, he, he is at the end of his career, and I don't mind him being out there. I don't mind him being on the mic. He's one of the best on the mic. Uh, he can put people over like no other. Um, MJF is a future star, and they're building them up the right way, I think. And you have the Young Bucks who can put over anybody. Now, will this be a good feud? Yeah, I think it'll be a good feud. The result of it, who knows? Um, the Young Bucks have better rivalries going on right now, but they also have so many rivalries, they could go anywhere from now. So whether they win, lose, or or draw, or whatever it's going to be, uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of, of uh, Doug's point. I think Jericho using the tag match is probably the best way to protect him because I, I don't believe he has the stamina to go, you know, 20 minutes on his own anymore. And look, the, to Aaron's point many times, I am not in the best of shape. I do not claim to be Ryan Gage, but I'm also not a professional wrestler. And uh, Jericho is not in the best of shape either. And in my opinion, if your job relies on your body and your health – and to be in good shape. And to be quite honest, the people who you wrestle with require you to be in good shape for their protection as well. You should not look like a guy who sits on the couch and drinks beer all the time. And I think that is a fair criticism of Jericho, especially when he had the audacity to run his mouth about Brock Lesnar a couple of years ago, not looking in the best of shape when Brock looks like he could murder me. <laughs> and Jericho looks like he has a dad bod right now. So I, uh, I have no problem with people body shaming him because let's be honest here. He looks chunky. His wrestling looks a little bit sloppy. And, uh, and to be fair, his moves have gotten sloppy. Look, the Judas effect is not a great move. Sometimes he hits it. Sometimes it looks stupid. That lion salt, boy, that was rough. That that looked like me doing the lion salt. And I'm not a 20-year professional wrestler. So now not to say this match won't be good because you've got three outstanding wrestlers in Jericho who was a great wrestler in his prime and probably still a good wrestler when he goes. But I, I kind of would rather the Bucks be somewhere else. I, I think there's... 
there are more beneficial uses of both the Young Bucks and MJF than this tag match. Not that it'll be bad. I just think you have a better direction to go. Yeah, I think that's this will be a fine tag match. Uh, you know, they had recently attacked uh, the Young Bucks' dad on uh, on Dynamite. So, you know, that's going to make it a little bit more of a blood feud, uh, so to speak. Uh, I definitely echo your guys' thoughts. You know, Jericho is 50 years old. Uh, Sting is not out there, you know, uh, doing crazy stuff. I mean, he, he did a Stinger Splash. He did uh, a Scorpion Death Drop. I mean, he's 61, so yeah, 10 year difference, I know. But uh, nonetheless, Jericho should not be attempting to do his best ofs. He should kind of know where his bread and butter lies, which is, you know, doing the Judas effect, doing a line tamer, doing a code breaker. Uh, you know, and then just the smaller moves like that. Uh, don't, don't, don't try to do something that your 40 year old self could do, you know, fairly well that your 50 year old self is not going to do. Yeah. He should actually look back when, uh, other wrestlers were a little bit older when he was in his, you know, late twenties and he had to wrestle different. He needs to remember that, Hey, now you're that age where you have to wrestle different. Um, but yeah. I, and speaking of wrestling, wrestling a little bit differently, uh, well, Moxley and Omega, they're bringing it. Uh, they are going to have an exploding barbed wire match. Now, uh, Aaron, have they really gone into the details? Like, is this the one like that, like Terry Funk and Mick Foley, that type of exploding barbed wire match? Supposedly. So, yeah, it's uh, exploding barbed wire death match. And I I went on to YouTube to take a look. And I think there were only like three that I saw in there. Three from like main promotions, not like, you know, a backyard one. Uh, the most famous one was uh, Harry Funk, and I want to say the guy's name was Onita. It's for FMW Wrestling, and you watch it, and the the premise of it is that the that the uh, ropes are all wires, and barbed when wire. are barbed wire, and when they hit it, it you get this like kind of explosion essentially. So like they don't want to touch it, and Onita's he was bloodied. the The match was or the the YouTube video was about 30 minutes long. Realistically, you can watch it on like probably two X speed and you'll be fine. But he, they were bloodied. They were just, I mean, like it was, it wasn't even ECW. It was like CZW with the, uh, light bulb tubes and the thumbtacks and broken glass and all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of what it was like. Well, so the other gist of it was, I, I don't know the exact time, but it was like at the 15 minute mark or something like that, the ring explodes essentially. And, when you I remember when we were watching uh, wrestling, you know, in the late 90s and when ECW was on, it was like, oh, this is like the coolest thing in the world. You know, this is so different than WCW. And this is what WWF was trying to copy. And you're like, that's really cool. And then you see some of this stuff and you're like, all right, that's interesting. And then you get like, you know, 10 years older and you go, they're trying to kill themselves. That's not cool. <laughs> like you, you kind of like your tastes change a little bit. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, I don't want this match to happen. I think this is a bad use of them. I think that if AEW wants to be different than WWE, or if they want to be like, look, we're an alternative, we're different, we're, this is what pro wrestling should be. Uh, doing this, actually, I think is a terrible move on their part. I think it is a terrible move. They had the, um, uh, uh, wow, what was it called? It was um non-sanctioned match uh, mm -hmm. a little while back. That was fine, because it was unsanctioned. You know, I, I get the match itself was not great, it was a non-sanctioned match, so that's what you want to do. You are going like kind of above and beyond, and in my opinion, I think is actually like this is a bad use of both. These are main event. The best wrestlers you have on your roster, in my opinion, are these two. 
and you're putting them in this garbage match. This is a match for Joey Janela. This is a match for Marco Stunt. All right. I can't crap on him enough. This is a match for those two to, to, to go at it in. All right. Don't do it to two people that could legitimately get very hurt. I think this is a very bad move on AEW Spire. I think this is one of their biggest messteps they've had. And you know what? Maybe after the pay-per-view, I eat my words. That's fine. But I think this is one of the biggest messteps they've had thus far. Wow. The unsanctioned match. I was going to say the unsanctioned match was brutal. And to up it with an exploding barbed wire match, I'm not going to enjoy watching this match. I absolutely will not enjoy watching this match. I pray for the safety of Moxley and Omega. Uh, I honestly wonder, though, if this is something, though, that it was out of the two of them. I'm guessing this is Moxley's idea. Um, maybe he wants to go out with a bang. He, he has a kid now, so maybe he needs to go spend some more time with her. So let's have the the worst match possible to uh, to uh, write me off TV for a year or two because I, I honestly could see one of them or both of them needing that much time to repair themselves from this match. Um, there's no need for it. There absolutely was no need for this. Um, why they are, you know, I hate to use the phrase, but they are, but they're jumping the shark with this kind of match. How do you top this then the next time that they want to go at it, you know, a year or two from now, what do you, what are you doing with, with Moxley? Because it almost seems like every match he's involved in, is some sort of backstage brawl, hardcore match, and everything like that. And that's why I think it is more Moxley's idea than it is Omega's. But it just seems like one of those things of uh, I, I don't remember. I don't know if you guys remember the the movies uh, Many Faces of Death back when uh, when we were were, were young. Oh and yeah, these were, it was like, videos. How, yeah. How was this? How is this something that is recorded and people watch? And I'm I'm wondering about the same thing here. I I don't know. I, like I'll watch the rest of the pay per view, and I might just read the details of this one. Well, I'm actually a little bit surprised because I thought I was going to be open with with this opinion. Um, but Aaron articulated my point pretty much to a T. I, this is garbage wrestling to me. And you know when New Jack did it back in the day, New Jack kind of sucked in the ring, so I didn't really care that he was doing these kind of matches because this is where he shined. Kenny Omega is maybe top four wrestler in the world. Like legitimately, if we probably did a draft today and everyone in the world, he's in the discussion for one. Mm-hmm. John Oxley is probably in that same discussion when you consider draw power. Why on earth are they doing this type of match? I just, that it boggles my mind how stupid this is because this is a lot of risk for no benefit. Like there's no fans here. So uh, if you're going to do a pre-produced match, okay, fine. That way the spots are done safely. Nobody really gets hurt, whatever. You know, do some crazy exploding bomb crap. But that's not what they're doing to my nods. They're not going to do two scripted matches. And you don't need to do this. Like, this is legitimately beneath them. Like, you could have them do a good match. This also is illogical for two reasons. One, I recall uh, a promo that Moxley did where he said – I don't want to be that guy who's put into your little box who just does these gimmicky hardcore matches. And yet he's, and look, the street fight with Kingston made sense. They mm-hmm. were having blood feud. They, they were old friends who now were trying to destroy each other. I had no problems with that match. That made sense. I didn't like the Moxley Omega round one. I don't like this version. I want them to wrestle. The other problem I have with this is that the reason Moxley lost was outside interference. 
you're now going to intentionally sign a match where he can basically bring all the interference he wants down to help him? What? Like this logically should be a cage match or something, uh, or something where it, yet you actually have a chance to beat him before Callis or Anderson or Gallows intervenes. And yet, what you decide to do is basically let him jump you and probably throw you through the stage or whatever the hell is going to happen. It's just nothing about this do I like. This this isn't the biggest misstep because of the Matt Hardy thing happened, but excluding that, this is probably the dumbest thing they've done. And I, look, if you want to write Mox off TV for a year, fine, but I just don't think you had to do a bad match to do that. You can throw him on a barbed wire table after a good match is already over and say, okay, we don't see you for a year, see you in 2022. I just, I don't know. I, I might be with Doug. I might not even watch this match and just read what happened because I don't want to see, and if either one of them gets seriously injured because of something stupid like this, this may go down as one of the dumbest decisions in wrestling history. Like it's not Owen Hart bad, but it could be real close. Yeah, and the thing about it too, uh, when you see like Onita, like, and I, I actually recommend to go out and watch it. You can see it on YouTube. Just look up "exploding barbed wire death match" and you'll see it on there. It's, it's like the number one, number two, and Onita like barely touches it. And I mean, it's Japan, so they're using like real barbed wire because it was, you know, like it was the CZW at the time uh, of wrestling. And I mean, he is bleeding, and the the spots that you see him doing, you're like. Any misstep, you know, because there are mistakes that happen in wrestling where people like th- somebody could get their skin completely ripped off. You know, they they could have like their arm could get caught in the barbed wire and it could rip into their arm. You know, uh, you, I think about hardcore Holly when he had his back, um, you know, it was he went through a table and it just it smashed the wrong way and it huge cut down his back. Uh, that that type of thing could potentially happen. And it's to your two biggest stars. That is I I, I think that this is one of their biggest missteps like so far and potentially like, and we might look back in, you know, five years and be like, what are the five worst things AEW has done? And this might be in the top five, I think probably will be. All right. Yeah. Um, the whole thing, like I said, you know, you've, like I said, Aaron, I was going to say, Hey, if you haven't checked out, definitely watch that match. But yeah, when it was all said and done after, cause I remember seeing it like, gosh, a while ago. And I, after it was all said and done, I was like, yeah, uh, like it wasn't like a big deal. Like to me, it, there was there need to be more in that match. But yeah, the blood and the gore, like it gets old after a while. Really, really, really old. But um, something that we didn't expect to happen, or we've been expecting it since it happened, was that Adam Cole turns on the undisputed era. Um, Roger, and any thoughts on trust? Friendship is a lie. It, it just it doesn't matter how close your bond is, how tight you are with your brothers. At some point, they will stab you in the back. This is what WWE has taught me. This is what NXT has taught me. I, look, I knew it was coming. I think we talked about Undisputed Civil War maybe even two years ago, if not last year. At some point, once you saw O'Reilly getting title shots and Cole wasn't, you knew there was going to be a problem between the two. I like it. I, I think it's a great move. I, I think this is Adam Cole's swan song, and I say that with a lot of depression because he will never be used on the Raw or SmackDown as well as he was used in NXT, um, unless Triple H is taking over tomorrow. Because in NXT, he treated like Shawn Michaels. He, he, he feels like a big deal. He feels like a star. He is protected. His losses are important. I have this fear that he's going to be on main event, and I'm not talking about the main event. I'm talking about the main event that nobody watches, facing Ricochet in great matches that nobody pays attention to. And, and you look, the Undisputed Era, are, are, they're, they're way better than the sum of their old parts, but if you take them apart, especially in Raw and SmackDown, 
boy, I don't really see them going anywhere. But as far as this feud in NXT, Cole versus O'Reilly at the next TakeOver is going to be amazing. Like, that will be a fantastic potential match of the year type match. So I'm happy that O'Reilly is getting the push. I hope he gets another shot at the NXT title. I hope he gets a run at it. I just, I really fear for what, you know, I think Roderick Strong was even on 205 Live before he joined the Undisputed Era. Mm -hmm. I suspect he'll end up back on 205 Live. I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Cole ends up on 205 Live. Now, maybe he won't because how much uh, Triple H likes him. But, I mean, he doesn't have the height that Vince likes. And I don't know many short guys who've gotten pushed under uh, Vince McMahon. I can think what are you of- talking about? He's six foot tall. Yeah. And that <laughs> may- if he's six foot tall, I'm LeBron James. Because um, I sat next to him and he ain't six feet. Um, yeah, I just – it's like one of those things that – and I, and I hate – feeling this way about NXT in the sense of like, you're happy to see them get that success and that like, Hey, you're going to the next level. And yet we know what the next level entails for the most part. When you leave NXT, your career flounders. And it's not because these people no longer have talent. I don't think anyone, if we're talking in six months about how bad Adam Cole is doing, we're not going to be like, yeah, the guy who could wrestle in that two ni- uh, 2019 better than anyone else lost the ability to talk, cut a promo and wrestle in the ring. We'll be talking about, Oh, He's in a dumb feud with Baron Corbin and a dumb feud with Dolph Ziggler and a feud about nut shots with Nakamura. And then all of a sudden his magically his feuds didn't get over and now it's his fault. And so he's punished. So welcome to main event. Here's Ricochet. That whole thing made me sad. Yeah. Just in the fact that, I mean, even Nakamura is being misused and everything. It's, it's, it's absolutely horrible. Um, But my question is, is, did Adam Cole turn on the Undisputed Era, or did the Undisputed Era turn on Mike or Adam Cole? Huh? Who who's truly jumping through the window now? Well, the answer is always Marty Jannetty. <laughs> that coward was trying that to run coward. away. That coward. Um, so it, it I, I I have Cole Rogers' thoughts though on on the aspect that uh, a Cole versus O'Reilly match will be uh, probably top five match of the year. Um, so I look forward to that aspect and, uh, it, it's, 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 it is exciting for O'Reilly to get his own chance to stand out and be not part necessarily of a group or a tag team and showcase his solo, solo career, uh, which could probably, uh, you, know, you know, even, uh, shine a little bit more in NXT. If, if Adam Cole is the one that just, if it's just Adam Cole that goes up to WWE uh, or the, the main roster, or, uh, if, you know, I, I could see him also doing this whole, hey, look, they broke up thing, and now they show up together on Raw because it's the Undisputed Era, just like Johnny Gargano and Ciampa weren't a tag team, and they were hating each other, but yet show up on Raw, and they're a tag team. And well, look how great they, they are. together at the time that they did show up on SmackDown and Raw. They, they, was that uh, weird... they were on a break. They right? were on a break. They were on a break. They couldn't date other people, though, is what I, my understanding was. <laughs> Let, DIY let me, is back, but not officially because we don't have that storyline yet on, on NXT and we never truly got it. I I actually kind of don't like what they are doing a little bit. I think that they should have had Roderick Strong be the like middleman where you don't know which way he's going. I didn't like that uh, Cole essentially attacked him on uh, on NXT this past week. I feel like if you kept it where wait, what, what's Strong going to do here? Because let me say this. I think Strong is a fine wrestler. I think he has a great look. I think he is absolutely terrible on the mic. I think that he he uh, has no charisma on the mic. I don't believe a word he is saying. 
Um, I, I just, I don't believe him. And Adam Cole is money on the mic. He has a money look and he is also money in the ring. He is, he is, he is perfect. Like Roger said, he doesn't have the height. That's, that's his biggest draw, a drawback. So like Roderick Strong is going to be the kind of the loser here because you have, uh, you know, Red Dragon with, uh, O'Reilly and Fish, you know, when Fish is healthy when he's not injured, which unfortunately happens quite a bit. Um, so maybe what O'Reilly and, and Strong team up for a little while, you might do that, but the breakup really, I think the person that's going to help the most is going to be Cole. And like Roger said, I am really concerned about him going to main event to take on Ricochet and have these 10 minute matches where it's a back and forth and, you know, it's 50, 50 booking. And that's the thing I'm a little afraid of because if they don't have a, a plan for him where, Hey, this is what we're doing for a year and we're going to, we're going to stick to this. And if it's like, Hey, here's what we're doing for, for three weeks and we're going to give you the EC three treatment, then he's dead in the water and he might as well go to AEW and be with his girlfriend. The dentist, of course. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to be like snarky. I'm being legit. Like, no, I, you and, know, and the thing is, I could, I, I do agree with you on that because there's no sense in, if he's going to go up to the main roster, um, you're just doing him as a, a disservice. I mean, and you're going to cause more people just not to go to WWE if they were to do something like that. If they were to basically, hey, we're going to sign you this deal, but if they're paying him over a million dollars, he's going to be on the main roster. I doubt that they would let him stay in NXT, which they should, but, uh, Oh well, I mean, I guess like that. If 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 they, I guess uh, the way AEW or that the way WWE is is going to treat Adam Cole is, I think, is going to decide what how they're going to go from for years on, on end. Like, let's say there's someone who becomes super hot in the indie scenes. If they see, hey, Adam Cole had it all, and then they brought they brought him up there, and now he's stuck doing jobs on main event. Uh, yeah, we we're gonna go to AEW because they're probably gonna be able to do something or go to an impact instead. Because hey, we may not get paid on time, but you know we'll be showcased. But and if if they screw up, uh, Adam Cole, I think that that will be their biggest mistake that they have done for anybody that's coming from NXT to quote unquote the main roster. EC3 had a bunch of things going for him. They screwed him up, but like EC3. You know, he's fine in the ring. He has a great look. He was fine on the mic, you know. Uh, I don't remember him cutting any, like, amazing promos. Uh, but, you know, he's fine. Adam Cole, though. He gets to talk on the main roster, to be fair. That is true. That is true. Uh, Adam Cole, though, he can do it all. And his presence, he feels like a superstar. And I think that's one of the biggest things. So if they screw up Adam Cole, I think anybody who's coming from the indies like you said, Andy, I think they will be scared to look at WWE and they will look elsewhere first. And WWE will be like, oh, yeah, I guess I could go there and make some money. You know, that is where you go when you're like, all right, I've I have these accomplishments. I've held the IWGP championship. I've held TNA or NWA or whatever. Uh, I guess I can go to WWE, you know, like I'll make 10 times as much. All right. You know, that'll be my retirement plan. So the Nakamura plan. Ages. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to retire in WWE. Um, do you think, Aaron, that um, Adam Cole, let's say hypothetically, not that it's that much of a hypothetical, is screwed up, is he a bigger miss than Finn Balor? Because to me, Finn Balor was tailor-made for a Raw or SmackDown. He had the demon entrance. He had the look. He could talk. And he was awful on the main roster. He was smiley, generic, no-intensity babyface. I think that's just as big of a miss as Cole. 
Yeah, I mean, I like I agree with you. I think that that could be as big of a miss. Luckily, they went back and they put him in NXT where, you know, he can do way better. And on the main roster, they had a plan for him. I mean, I, he was the first universal champion. So obviously they they felt like he was going to be big. Injuries really hurt him. You know, I mean, that was the it was unfortunate. You know, he was out for almost a year because of his injury. And I don't think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, they did the demon entrance, obviously, against Rollins. And I think they only did it maybe one or two other times. If, if I believe he did it against Lashley at a mania. Uh, ooh. I didn't use it against uh, Wyatt. Yeah, which probably that would have been five, a great. Five or six times he probably put it on. And it's always been something special on the main but roster. Yeah, but that was at the, the takeovers, though. I don't believe what? that he had done that on the main roster, though. No, I didn't, he did it against Lashley, I thought. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like he did against Rollins, and then, yeah. like I said, I think it was one, maybe two other times. So I, I think you're mm-hmm. correct about Lashley at Mania, but I can't think of another time. And that's like one of his biggest, you know, things. Like th- this is like, hey, you got to see this. This is worth like just his entrance a- alone is worth seeing. Uh, I remember showing my wife that who doesn't like wrestling, right? And I'm like, hey, you just watch this. It's kind of cool, you know, sort of thing. I, it, like it was something to behold. And anybody that's getting into wrestling, they're gonna be like, oh. You know, I've seen all these people come out. That's cool. But this guy's different. And yeah, I mean, they, they definitely messed that up. Finn, though, his mic skills, you know, they're not as good as, as Cole's. Uh, obviously, look-wise, you know, it, it's a different look, but, you know, is money. And obviously, his entrance is, is fantastic. He's a great wrestler, too. I think Adam Cole, though, the, his mic skills are there. And if you don't tailor make promos for him and allow him to speak his mind, then I think that he could do really well. You know, he did he his promos he had in, in Ring of Honor were really good. Um, you know, he hasn't at least to my knowledge hasn't done NXT where he goes, it's story time with Adam Cole, baby. And then he just like starts talking about like, oh, and this guy's tried to do this to me. And that's not what you do to Adam Cole. You know, like and he just he spins a story that he tells and you are interested in hearing him talk. And I think Adam I I'll say Finn Balor would probably be a close two, but I think Adam Cole, if they mess him up, he'll be the, the number one. Also, what do we feel about hashtag Pat was right? Uh, I think that's fantastic. Pat was right. Pat. Yeah, Pat McAfee calling Adam Cole scumbag. So that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you can follow the show at Mark 86 I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting any of the podcasts. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hunt, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring.